This episode is sponsored by Angular Dev Summit, coming September 11th through the 18th, 2017. Hi, it's Chuck from devchat.tv. I reached out to some of my friends in the Angular community to put on a completely free, no travel conference for Ruby developers. We have speakers like Rob Wormald, Jeff Welpley, and others coming to speak about all kinds of topics in Angular. So if you're trying to learn Angular or you're trying to level up Angular, come check it out. The talks are happening throughout the day each day and we'll have a chat available during each session. Attending the talks is free, but you need to register. Go to angulardevsummit.com. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another MyJS story. This week, we're going to be talking to Mike North. Mike, do you want to say hi? Hey, how's it going, everyone? Uh, now, we had you on episode, I had it right in front of me. Uh, we talked to you about Ember and EmberConf about a year ago. It was sometime last year. Yeah. Yeah. Episode about 211. About one year ago. Episode 211. So if people are looking for it, they should be able to find it. Yeah. Yeah. You also have a front end masters series for Ember 2, if I remember right. I do. And uh, I just filmed a course, or two courses actually, one on SAS and CSS architecture and another on uh, modern SEO. But don't, don't let the title fool you. It's really about like uh, structured data and AMP pages, all the kinds of things that help you, um, you know, from a software to perspective stand out like if if your result is if you're lucky enough to do the marketing right like your result will shine and all the nice metadata will uh you know do its work for you awesome now uh we brought you on to ask you a bunch of questions about your background kind of get your story as as you developed into a developer i I didn't mean to use both of those words so close together but anyway (laughs) Um, I just find that these stories really help people get an idea of, you know, who's out there being involved in the community. Um, what kind of people, oh, that's the kind of person that's, you know, a front end master's instructor or whatever. And in a lot of cases, you know, people find, oh, wow. You know, I've, I've had a few people on that people thought, oh, wow, that guy's a coding genius. And well, it turns out he's only been programming for like two years. And so, um, anyway, it's, it's really interesting to me to just see where everybody comes from and what their experience is. So do you want to tell us what, uh, how did you get into programming? Right. Well, it's, it is, uh, as is the case with many people these days, a very nonlinear path um, getting to where I am right now. So I started programming uh, as really a teenager. Um, I had a job with a construction company where I was literally, like I started out laying drywall and learning a lot of bad words in Spanish. And um, <laughs> by the end of it, I, I was building like a, uh, a training system so that the company could get off of their paper records and onto this, like back then it was some a high tech, you know, uh, like e-document system where they just had like a massive amount of like scanning into PDFs and filling in forms and things like that. So they needed to train their staff. And I kind of built the training app with little tutorials and things. And that was when I was 15 or 16 in, uh, back then it was just ASP. I guess now, now we refer to this as ASP classic, but that was like 20 years ago. So I've not been doing this for, for two or three years, but the things I, I feel like the things I do day to day, I only learned two or three years ago. <laughs> right. 
Now, is that yeah, because so things that was... are changing so quickly, or is that due to, you know, is, is computing that different? Well, uh, it's it's just that the, my my role in teams and my sort of passion keeps evolving. And really, I have people get to pick what's important to them. Some people go for a job that ha- that, that pays very well or that offers them flexibility. For me, I want to be able to stay on the bleeding edge of things. I really enjoy like learning about new programming languages and um, getting that the satisfaction of a really deep understanding of topics. And so um, I'm I'm constantly learning and then using those brand new skills. So I, I'm um, I've been doing this a while, but I am a perpetual uh, beginner. I'm almost always like, you know, talking about something that I have just really solidified or just figured out how to talk about. So let's talk about that for a minute. How, how do you maintain that? Because I, I have a lot of people asking me, how do I keep current or how do I keep up? Or even, you know, I don't even know what to learn next. So, so how do you do that? How do you approach that? That's, that's a great question. Um, it's actually sort of the motivation for why, why I am doing uh, what I'm doing right now. So that's, there, there is just, uh, it, it is impossible. The direct answer to your question is it's impossible. I mean, uh, if you think about how fast things are moving and, you know, all of the advancements in just, just in the JavaScript world, you have like progressive web app technologies, TypeScript is seeing a huge surge. Uh, Elm is looking really promising and playing, playing in that pool a little bit would probably benefit your programming as a whole. And, uh, you know, you've got like new uh, JavaScript features every month, you know, being promoted farther and farther towards like being the official thing. Uh, it is a full-time job to keep track of this stuff. And uh, in, in previous like more traditional jobs where, where I was like an architect or a tech lead, uh, it was it was a real struggle for me to just like chew through all of the GitHub issues on the projects that were important to monitor and to just stay on top of all of this stuff. So what I do now is I'm I am like a uh, an ingester of all of this information, and then I I go around and meet with teams and help them. Um, absorb it, but in a distilled way where they don't have to filter through all of the stuff, like, you know, figure out which medium blog posts to read or, uh, you know, which of the dozen frameworks since we started the podcast um, have, have come out, like which of those are worth paying attention to. I kind of try to boil it down, give people hands-on experience and make it so that maybe I, I drop in like once a quarter and that frees them from having to personally, you know, stay up to speed on everything because they get this dense, condensed, like rich nugget that they can um, work with and they can rely on that being really, you know, high quality and really good and, you know, spend the rest of their energy the rest of the time focusing on their product because like we we need to keep up to speed on this stuff, but we certainly don't get paid for it. And our users, we would have a hard time justifying to our users like, oh, well, I really need to make sure we're on top of like what's landing in React 16. Like this, these, you know, fibers look really, really important. And like, you know, that is so far away from bottom line and factors that like 
developers really shouldn't be spending so much time trying to like claw their way through um, this huge amount of information. Yeah, that makes sense. So uh, how did you get into JavaScript and web development? Uh, another good question. So long after the ASP days as, as a like high school student, uh, I, I actually entered college uh, swearing, like I basically told told people around me, and I hope nobody's keeping close tabs, but I, I said like, shoot me if you ever see me like writing code all day. I had this image in my <laughs> mind of, of like staring at a blue screen because that was like, I'm dating myself a little bit here, but like I, it was the old like Word Perfect 5.1 blue screen, gray text. That's how I imagined like writing code to be this very like uh, like impersonal, not exciting thing that was just sort of like a drone job. Um, so I, I deliberately, like I was going into mechanical engineering and I deliberately said like absolutely no code. Um, it turns out later, like I really started getting into this stuff. And for me, it was uh, having real world problems that I could solve. And mm -hmm. uh, it's like, and this math has the same like challenge around it where like a lot of the instruction is in this like abstract world where, you know, if you're one of these people who, who sort of wants to ask why until you establish relevance, you're sort of like protective of your own attention. You don't want to learn like differential equations until you figure out, oh yeah, this is probably useful for solving such and such a problem, which you like, you actually do care about this. All right, now let's dig into it. So once uh, I, I found like that writing small programs could help me do things that I was really interested in. Um, and these were like uh, homework assignments. I had a great uh, course in college where we built a robot every week using like a subset of C. We could wow. put like 8K of, of code onto these little like microcontrollers and like whatever you, you didn't use for code, you could use that for like runtime memory. And every week we built a new robot and it went from like, find your way through a maze and you get the maze ahead of time to like, you no longer get the maze ahead of time. And then like, can't guarantee that there's even a solution to this maze. And, you know, sort of advanced in difficulty. So like once I connected it to something that was really exciting and invigorating, it started to seem fun. Um, so I went down that path and I wrote uh, engineering simulation code for a while. Like um, this is the stuff they use to shape Formula One race cars. Like this is the actual application that they use. A lot of Formula One teams use to, to make sure that their aerodynamics you know, hold the car to the ground and give them the traction they're looking for. But, uh, and I was, I had like special domain expertise in this particular niche. Unfortunately, it, it had nothing to do with the web. And this was like 2006, 2007. Um, basically the iPhone comes out and, and I have this, I had this moment of, um, of clarity where I, I just like, I felt like that is something I wanted to be a part of. And uh, at the time, you couldn't write apps for these iPhones, right? Because they right. launched it without the, the App Store. So I started to get into 
uh, like Sentient Touch and jQuery Mobile, these like JavaScript frameworks that could make something that looked like it shipped on the phone, but it was built completely using web technology. And I liked doing it so much that I actually, um, I'm, I ran a consultancy where I would like, I had, you know, five contractors working full time for me at, at one point, like for three years, I ran this consultancy at night in addition to my day job where I would take on new projects and uh, each project would have like some skill in it that I needed and I didn't have yet. Like I took on a Ruby on Rails job. I didn't know Ruby on Rails yet, but but I had, you know, eight years of Java experience and I used some Java web technology and, you know, I kind of budgeted enough time in there so that I could kind of put the learning curve on the critical path. Maybe bring someone in that knows what they're doing so they can check over everything and kind of use those real world projects as stepping stones to the point where I could make, you know, building for the web and using JavaScript my full time gig. Cool. So when we had you on the show, we, we had you come on to talk about Ember. So where does Ember fit in on all, in all of this? Right. So I, uh, when I started working at Yahoo, so I, like shortly after I, you know, moved from building desktop engineering apps and started building for the web, um, I, I, the next big step for me was like getting out to Silicon Valley, right? Because I, it was this time in my life when I had a ton of energy and I was just, I was feeling like, um, I was short on mentors and uh, I just wanted to be like, I felt like if I was in the right community, I could thrive. Um, so I interviewed at a bunch of companies, ended up working at uh, Yahoo because um, I kind of, I wanted to be part of a turnaround story. And at, at least at the time, mind you, this was like 2012, um, it, it looked like that was possible. Uh, hindsight's 2020 didn't didn't quite work out that way uh, but when I landed at Yahoo there was a there was a need to like so every tech lead had their own sack right everyone had their own grunt file or gulp file and like just switching teams was almost like almost like taking a job at a new company like the learning curve was that severe so where Ember came in is that was that was um, part of a tech stack that like when we started using it, it allowed us to kind of um, treat engineers as resources towards, you know, the larger goal of um, building all of these apps together and potentially like merging some of them together instead of all of these separated, like, um, you know, distinct pockets of different technology everywhere. So that's where I started to pick up um, Ember. And that was sort of, like, I guess I, I took an opportunity where there were very few experts at, at the time and just um, just dove in and uh, really tried to, like, I tried to exhaustively learn it, meaning there were areas where, like, maybe I didn't get to touch on it in my day-to-day -day work. Like, maybe it's, like... Uh, setting up a deployment pipeline, for example, typically you arrive in a team and like it's already set up and you don't do that. Well, I would 
I was like eager to learn it comprehensively. So I would even try to get a side project together where I could like see what see what it's like to deploy this thing and make sure that I got the full picture. And eventually that sort of path led to um, some pretty deep expertise where, you know, that's, um, you know, it's one of these things where we work with it for five years, six years. Um, it's, you can do some pretty neat things with it, no matter what technology it is like that, that amount of familiarity turns it into a pretty potent thing in the hands of that person. Mm -hmm. So I'm curious, what, what uh, contributions do you feel like you've made to the JavaScript and Ember communities? Right. That is another great question. Uh, I think, so in, in thinking about contributions, like my, that the way in which I've contributed has, um, has evolved over time. So I have um, at one time been a person that wrote a, a ton of libraries, like, like a library per week. And I have at times been the kind of person who dives deep into like issues in the framework itself and, you know, sorted through them and tried to spec things out and come up with a solution that makes everybody happy. Um, but there was sort of always this hole. And I, I found I was like, I was sort of mad that it wasn't properly addressed, properly covered by someone. Uh, or I shouldn't say that because people have definitely worked on covering it, but I, I just always felt like it could use some more hands. And that is representing like newcomers to a technology. Mm -hmm. And so that's that's really the way that I have an impact now. I, I do a lot of workshops. I think basically, basically these days, every Ember conference there is, I am I am probably doing a workshop or had some sort of conflict where I, I couldn't do one, but um, I'm turning into like the, the workshop person. <laughs> to, uh, and, and I really like I get just like some people get genuine satisfaction out of finding like a marginal performance improvement or a way to reduce a kilobyte over like in their, you know, JavaScript app. I get that same kind of satisfaction from like having a room full of people that are confused and sending them out sorted, right? Like I, I literally get almost an adrenaline rush from doing that. I really am, am passionate about enabling people. Um, so that today is what I'm most known for, uh, teaching, enabling people, and making those light bulbs turn on. Nice. So I'm, I'm curious then, and this is more of kind of a personal interest of mine, how do you structure the the learning then to make it so that people so that it's approachable for people, especially new people coming in? And related to that, usually when you're talking about new people to a technology, you're talking about two different groups. One is new new people, so new programmers, and the other group is okay. I've been coding in whatever for a while, and now I'm coming and learning this new technology. Yeah, that, that's a good question. I'm going to answer them in reverse order. Okay. So uh, in terms of how you address both of those audiences, so we'll, we'll, we'll call them like beginners, newcomers to programming and newcomers to a topic within programming. Mm -hmm. um, so I find that, well, first of all, when, it, when, it's, when you're talking about newcomers to programming, there's a pretty alarming um, statistic out there. We are hiring uh, computer programmers at a rate that's, about 400% of 
the the rate at which we can graduate CS majors from like traditional bachelor's degree CS programs. So like the the demand for software engineers far exceeds our ability to educate them uh, in a you know conventional way. Uh, so so it's very clear we need to be doing a very good job and taking people from backgrounds like boot camps really seriously. Um, in fact, like these days, like if I if I'm looking for a junior engineer, I will turn to a boot camp way before I will start um, interviewing people from you know the top tech schools simply because their experience is more likely to be practical and more likely to be oriented towards like the real stuff we're doing day to day, right? What I learned to do in college, like designing an operating system and building a device driver, I, I, I'm not sure where that fits in the world of web technology. I mean, it was interesting. I, it sort of played into a broader ability to solve problems, but you know, it's not, it's not like React and it's not Python. And it, you know, it's, it's not something that uh, I'm going to tap into except in a, in a rare moment. So uh, there's a lot of material out there for like true beginners. Um, Free Code Camp is a great example there where, you know, people can sort of teach themselves and get to a certain point. Then there's this huge chasm. And then we reach the second category of people you talk about where you're like, okay, you, you are an established programmer new to this technology. So that, that gap between like, uh, I have shown you the ropes of JavaScript and a React component, like leading all the way up to, I, I assume you have experience building at full scale. Here are the details of our API. Like there, there needs to be something in there to fill it. And uh, I, think, I think we're about to feel the pain of not having enough material there really, really quickly. Um, and this is where you know, we, we can do better with like video courses and with books and with tutorials in trying to make them a little bit more accessible. The only hope we really have is to sort of reach, um, to, to go through a little extra effort and make the content we intend to be for our peer developers also accessible to newcomers who have less experience. Because like to ask people to go back and fill that gap explicitly, that's a big ask. That's, that is like, Always community service from from the developer standpoint, um, and and I I don't think it's likely to happen. But uh, I'm trying to. So I I spend a lot of my time working with um, the developers at LinkedIn, and they have a great mix of you know people from boot camps. We just hired um, a little over thirty of them, and they're ridiculously promising. I mean I we I'll be honest. I was a little um, I didn't know what to expect when when we uh, hired them and then they arrived and it, my mind is just blown at how, how much energy and passion and technical acumen um, they have. But like, I'm trying to work with this whole group of people to help the more senior developers relate a little bit better and sort of pull these less experienced people up. I think that's what it means to be a senior engineer or a staff engineer um, that you can really like Every time you have an interaction with somebody, um, you teach them. So when I'm building material, I try to um, I try to make the the lower bound for it, like the minimum amount of ex 
of experience you can get away with and still get value out of this. I try to push it as low as possible without sort of compromising the whole um, mission. And that means like unpacking some of the jargon. That means, um, you know, stopping to explain a term or at least providing a reference where someone can on their own time go on their own learning trail and then kind of get back on with everybody else and continue on. Um, just because, you know, we, we need to be uh, preparing these people so that they are our future uh, colleagues and teammates. Mm-hmm. Now, in terms of the, the techniques I use, uh, I have, I've been disappointed by a lot of books and tutorials and video courses and trainings they, that uh, sort of just scrape the surface. Uh, they, they kind of give you a little taste, just enough to make you hungry, um, and then you're left without the tools you need to then walk away and take what you've learned and sort of deploy it in a problem that matters to you. So I typically, um, I typically have students spend at least 50% of their time solving problems Uh, that I've set up for them. So like I always have failing tests with each exercise and they kind of code to pass the tests. They're always, you know, not, not trivial. And um, if like the courses I'm most proud of, I end up kind of having a couple different levels to them so that that more experienced developer can sort of go for um, the bonus points and, you know, uh, try to reach for higher level of objectives. But, you know, qualitatively, they're working on the same thing as the bootcamp graduate that, you know, just joined the company last week. You know, they were all building the same thing. Just one person's going deeper than the other. Um, it takes a lot of time to build this kind of curriculum, but um, this is this is sort of the luxury of not not making teaching a an aspect of a larger job or a side job, but rather the the core mission that I'm on right now. That's really interesting. And I'd, I'd love to dig into this more. I don't know if we really have time in an interview like this, but just the whole aspect of teaching developers and helping them uh, grow and level up is, is really, really interesting. And I think it does take a level of empathy, right? It's like, what was it like when I was trying to figure this stuff out? And what were the things that helped me get through it? And in a lot of cases for me, it was the fact that I had some mentorship, some help from somebody that was interested in, in the outcome that you know, that I had in being able to contribute either to the code, the team or whatever. And I feel like, you know, just, yeah, okay, here's a problem. Now go solve it. And, you know, having that kind of that, that help and that, you know, so that it's not just me out there on my own trying to figure this crap out um, is really helpful. And and I love, I really like that approach of, yeah, making it practical and hands-on and at the same time, you know, not leaving people high and dry with just enough knowledge to not know what they're doing. So uh, the last thing that we do on this show is picks. And you've been on the show before, so um, are there things you want to shout out about? Have you ever felt like you're falling behind or that the programming world is moving so fast that it's impossible to keep up? Then there's the issue of where to go to make sure you're up to date. The answer is to join a community dedicated to discussing the latest in JavaScript. I mean, wouldn't it be nice if you got JavaScript Jabber all day? Well, you can, kind of. We've created a Slack community for JavaScript Jabber. That means that you can connect with our listeners and guests on a platform you're most likely already using. Plus, we've set up a Keeping Current channel that pulls stories from across the web 
to help you know what people are talking about. And coming soon, we'll be holding monthly webinars and roundtable video chats to connect with experts in the community and with each other. So come join us at javascriptjabber.com slash slack. There are. So I've been, I'm preparing a TypeScript course and part of my research is to read a bunch of books and I have a favorite that is free that I would like to give a shout out to. So it's a Git book, which means you can, it, it is sort of a GitHub based thing that you know, you can download on your iPad or your Kindle, and it's just called TypeScript Deep Dive. And I hope, well, there's there's no hope. I'm going to butcher the pronunciation of the author's name, but it is Basarat Ali Syed. So this is not just a great TypeScript book, but as we see that sort of the, the JavaScript spec is more and more um, taking on things that TypeScript has had for a long time. This is just a great book for modern JavaScript developers to read, right? So if you're reading through this, like you'll start to see things that like, oh, I heard that this is a, this is being discussed. It's a potential part of what the language will be in the future. Like TypeScript, they already know about it. They've been using it. Um, so as I was going through this, it just, it's fantastically written. Um, it is very example based and the examples are nice and bite-sized and, and make their point so check it out typescript deep dive the second pick is a new introduction to the javascript spec so uh, it is the proposal for async iteration this just recently went from stage two to stage three um, stage three means it will probably like very probably make it into um, the language itself. It is a beautifully written um, proposal in a nice markdown document. And um, particularly, I want I want listeners to think about uh, think about how they might write things like acceptance tests using async iteration, right? So think about using this with async and await and um, inversion of control. Like it's a really powerful idea, and I think it's going to be like a major game changer that people will build libraries on top of and will be doing new things with JavaScript that just weren't possible before. Awesome. I'm going to jump in here with a few picks uh, myself. Um, one of the things that I really like um, when I'm writing TypeScript is Visual Studio Code. We've had some of their developers on there for a while or on the show a while back. And, you know, it seems like every time I go to a Microsoft event, we wind up talking to somebody about it. Anyway, it's a terrific, uh, I don't know if you call it an IDE or a text editor because it kind of splits the difference in a very nice way. But yeah, definitely check that out. And we'll put links to that and the episodes that we've done with type or with the Visual Studio Code team in the show notes. And then also, since you're a front end master's author or instructor, or I don't know what the official title is, um, I'm going to shout out about front end masters. Uh, they've got a terrific lineup of just awesome courses on this stuff. And one thing that I like about it is that you get to see the, the teacher presenting the information as well as their screen as they work through the, the problems. And the courses that I've watched, they're actually writing code and then explaining what it is and working through the, the problems with you. And that's, for me anyway, a very helpful way to learn to code. So anyway, a big shout out to them because they're awesome. Mike, if people want to follow up with you or see what you're working on these days or go to one of your workshops or anything like that, what should they do? 
So on Twitter, I'm Michael L. North, and my website is just Mike.Works. Uh, and in particular, like I've got, uh, I've got a lot of information about courses on there and just love teaching people. So if you are interested in like attending one of these workshops or maybe there's a video course I have somewhere that I can point you to, um, just click on the little uh, like Intercom chat widget in the lower right corner and I will send you in the right direction uh, anytime. All right. Well, we'll go ahead and wrap this up. Thanks for coming, Mike. Thanks a lot. All right, Bye, everybody. We'll, we'll have another story next week. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com to learn more.